I'm Mitch McCracken, and this is Memphis Music Interview. This week, my guest is a second-generation Memphis musician. His uncle Johnny Burnett had a few hits in the early 60s, including Your 16. His father, Dorsey Burnett, wrote songs like It's Late for Ricky Nelson. Billy has recorded his own solo material and was with Fleetwood Mac for almost a decade. He has also toured with John Fogarty and Bob Dylan, among others. I remember meeting you in the early 70s when you were recording at American Studios. You were really young, in your late teens. Was that your first album? Well, actually, I cut my first record in 1960 for Dot Records. Oh, really? And I did it at Gold Star um, down in Hollywood. And, uh, yeah, it was 1960, and James Burden, Joe Osborne, Glendy Harden, and the Rick Nelson Band played on my record. And my dad and Joe Osborne produced it. Your dad, Dorsey Burnett, also wrote It's Late for Rick Nelson, too, right? Yes, my dad wrote It's Late for Rick Nelson, yes. Now, we're talking about your family as if everyone knows who they are, so let's make sure they do. Your dad was Dorsey Burnett, and your uncle was Johnny Burnett. My dad, Dorsey Burnett, and my uncle was Johnny Burnett, yes. They were the originators of rockabilly music, weren't they? Well, they wrote Rockabilly Boogie right after we were born in 1953 or 54 and named it after Rocky, my cousin, and myself, Billy. So they, they called their song Rockabilly Boogie, which kind of coined the phrase Rockabilly. Didn't they live in the Lauderdale Courts where Elvis lived? Yes, they were. They actually lived near there, but that's where they hung out and rehearsed their band. In fact, they used to rehearse at the uh, laundromat there at Lauderdale Courts. Oh, really? Yeah, and my mother lived right across the street there and knew Elvis really well. They knew Elvis from uh, when he was a kid, you know, just hanging out. I mean, he used to come around. And really kind of got his idea to do what he did from them guys, because he wanted to be like those guys. It's even in uh, some of the books and uh, a lot of the um, TV show that was, you know, made about Elvis. So it's a lot of that, um, the rock and roll trio, they were like the... The guys at Elvis got his idea to do what he did later. <laughs> they were badasses too, weren't they? Yeah, they were really tough. I mean, they were like, uh, in fact, my dad was a heavyweight pro fighter. I actually fought Sonny Liston in an exhibition fight in St. Louis. Sonny Liston? Now that's impressive. Yeah, my dad turned pro and had like 18 pro fights or so. So tell me how you hooked up with Fleetwood Mac. Yeah, I ran into Mick Fleetwood, I think it was like 1984 or 5 at the Dick Clark 25-year anniversary show. And we happened to sit at the same table that night and became really good friends. Is that how you became a member of Mick Fleetwood's solo project, Gazoo? Actually, him and Lindsey Buckingham invited me out to Malibu. I went out to dinner with them, and they asked me that they said we're putting together a band called the Cholos at the time, which later we had to rename the Zoo. Uh, but we went to do, our first gig was to do Saturday Night Live with Lindsey, because he had a song out at the time called I Think I'm in Trouble. So we went to do Saturday Night Live, and I just kind of became one of the gang, and we cut, a, we cut a record for RCA. I think we did two records for RCA. With the zoo? With the zoo, yes. So you moved from the zoo to Fleetwood Mac? Yes, I was offered the... Um, in fact, it was quite a day. I was in the studio. Roy Orbison was cutting one of my songs that day, and uh, went into the studio and uh, played on the track along with Rick Vito, and uh, Jim Keltner was on the drums. T-Bone Walk was on the um, 
bass and T-Bone Burnett was producing it. So I met Roy and um, and Barbara, and I got the call that day to join Fleetwood Mac. And Mick also asked me on the phone. Rick had played on some of my demos um, a couple of nights before, and he said, can you get that guy that played on that demo the other night? I go, he's right here with me, so I'll tell him. And the next couple of days were kind of like life-changing experiences, you know. Becca Bramlett was also in Fleetwood Mac at that time. Yeah, she she joined, I think, about 93, 94, and we did a, a record and uh, did a tour with her and Dave Mason. And that was a good band. We had a lot of fun with that band. You've known her for a long time, haven't you? Well, yeah, I met Becca when she was three and a half and then became... Delaney Bramlett was like one of my mentors, and I met him when I was like 17 and uh, became really good friends. In fact, I wrote a lot of his solo stuff with him after Delaney and Bonnie and Friends. You were with them for quite a while. Oh, yeah, eight and a half, yeah, ne nearly nine years I worked with Fleetwood Mac, yes. You spent a lot of time in California, haven't you? Yeah, we moved out in about 59, and... Um, I was mostly raised out in California, yeah. Uh, do you consider yourself a Memphis musician? Well, I spent a lot of time in Memphis after that when I got, you know, out of, I was a week out of high school and my dad took me down to meet Chip Smallman. And then I went to Memphis and we went up to New York and made a deal with uh, Columbia Records. He had an imprint label called Entrance that was with Columbia Records and that was my first album I've made. When was that? In 1971. It was probably when I met you there. You also did some recording in Atlanta. Yeah, we moved to Atlanta, and I was managed by uh, Buddy Bowie, and um, it was uh, quite an experience. I mean, um, I think I was with Polydor Records at the time then, and, um, and we made some good records down in Atlanta. Tell me about your book. The book is going to be all about going back to my dad and uncle's early days in Memphis, leading up to the present. What happened after you left Fleetwood Mac? You started touring, didn't you? Because I've taken a couple of gigs since uh, since Fleetwood Mac. I had the pleasure of working with Bob Dylan on a tour. I played guitar with him, and then I spent about five years with John Fogarty on the road as a guitar player for him. You also did some work with Roger Miller, if I remember correctly. I did one, yeah, I did a couple of summers with Roger Miller um, back in the 70s, yeah. What was it like working with John Fogarty? John Fogarty is great, fantastic. I mean, he's like still got it, sings the songs in the same key, and uh, really quite a uh, musician, too. I always liked John Fogarty, and Bob Dylan's always been a favorite. How, how many tours did you do with Dylan? I did one tour with Bob. I did just um, Australia and New Zealand with him, and I was just taking Charlie Sexton's place while he was on the hiatus there for a little bit. And, and so I did that with him, and... Uh, Learned about 120 songs in the process for those two months. <laughs> that must have been a great gig. Yeah, I really like Bob. He's, um, you know, the, I have a world of respect for him. Plus, he was, uh, he was a big fan of my dad's music. And the way I got the gig, actually, was Barbara Orbison was my publisher. And he had listened to my album and liked it. So um, thought I'd fit good in the band, and I had a ball with them. Man, you have really worked with some great people. I've been really blessed to work with some great people, yes. Let's go back to Rick Nelson for just a second. Did you meet him when he recorded It's Late that your father wrote? I think I met Rick, no, actually when I was seven years old, we met him down at Tiny Nailers at, uh, at one of them places where they used to serve burgers and the girls would ride up on roller skates and serve the food and 
Yeah, and it was really a, quite a place, and Rick was a huge star at the time, so there was all these girls going crazy over him. And uh, Rick became, uh, Rick and I became friends. Um, we had the same birthday, so May 8th. Um, yeah, so um, we became good friends. Even after my dad passed away, I remained friends with Rick for a while. And I know his sons. In fact, Gunnar uh, lives, I think, right around the block from me here. So tell me, Billy, do you have any road stories that you want to share? From on the road? Oh, God, there's not many to share that I wouldn't get, you know. <laughs> no, 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 I'm, I'm kidding. I had a lot of fun. I mean, uh, my road trips with, uh, probably with Fleetwood Mac was like, you know, it was like a life-changing situation. It was like overnight. And when Mick called me, I was with MCA Records and MCA Curb, and I'd already been uh, nominated for Best New Country Artist of the Year. And at the time, Randy Travis won, and I joined the band probably a year after that. And um, it was just a life-changing experience, you know. It was like... Uh, um, it was like the circus going on the road. You know, there were so many trucks. And so, you know, we had a private jet and we had like 18, 18 wheelers. And it was a big show. You know, it's it's really weird, too. It's like the famous, the, the queen of Fleetwood Mac, of course, we know is Stevie Nicks. You know, she's uh, the one everybody recognizes. And Mick, because he's so tall and, and um, wild looking, you know. Um, but, I mean, besides them, too, the rest of the band could probably walk into any restaurant and a lot of people wouldn't know who they were, you know. So it's like uh, when, um, you know, when Lindsay, when I took Lindsay's place, it's really, it, it was really from the first night on. I mean, we had our fears, of course, what was going to happen. And um, we used to joke about it, you know, getting jousted around the arena and me and Rick getting attacked or whatever. But, you know, none of that happened. In fact, I think our first show there was a banner that somebody had put up that said Lindsay Who, and which I thought was pretty funny. But um, it was uh, it was a you know life changing experience. In fact, I worked on Christine's solo record before I ever joined the band, and I had done a duet with Stevie before I joined the band, and had worked with the whole band on singing some backgrounds on their records and stuff. You know. So you have a lot of history with them before you joined the group. Yeah, I was pretty in tight with them, yeah. You did some projects with uh, Becca Bramlett after Fleetwood Mac, too, didn't you? God, let's see. One, two, three, probably three or four world tours. Fleetwood Mac, it was really a great band. Not aside from their stardom and their name and everything. It was just really a great band. I was a fan of theirs, and uh, they were one of my favorite bands in the business at the time when I joined them. We would tour for a year. We'd start... And it was three months on, ten days off, three months on, and we toured the world. It was it was uh, quite an experience. Now, didn't you and Becca end up in a relationship, Billy? We were going together at the time, and we we came to Nashville, and we wanted a deal. It was in '95 when the band broke up because they had, in fact, I had actually put together the inauguration for them to do through Al Gore because uh, I was out at the airport when they had Al Gore with Al Gore Sr. that night. And and he had just won, and that was the Gore's favorite tune, which was Don't Stop, and uh, their theme song. So he asked me if I'd put together something for the um, inauguration. So I called all the band, 
and, you know, got everybody into doing it. And then I got a call from Stevie one night asking me if I would step aside and let Lindsay do that um, with them. So I actually put it together, and then uh, then I ended up not doing it. But, you know, it's no hard feelings because I was kind of like wanting to get in back into my own solo career anyway. And um, it was funny. I became that year the crown, uh, crown Royal spokesperson. So I was flying up to New York. And we flew right over the inauguration where it was going on. The pilot said, there's the uh, presidential inauguration. If you look out the you know, left side of your window, whatever side it was on at the time. And um, me and my manager were flying up. Uh, so it was quite an experience. I mean, it was an experience to be in the band. And, you know, I'm still, I just saw them the other night here in Nashville. So I'm still friends with all of them. And Mick, Mick and I and Rick put together a band a few years ago. And I was with them for a little bit. And mainly now I'm just doing my solo thing. So do you think you're better known for your songwriting? I think maybe more as a little bit of both. You know, I mean, Fleetwood Mac was probably the pinnacle of my career. You know, it's probably the um, what I'm known for mostly because uh, it was such a huge band. And we did, you know, we did a, a, a press blitz when I joined the band. So it was like changed my life overnight. And... Um, but I'm, I guess I'm known some through, you know, and I've been nominated uh, for, you know, in the Academy of Country Music Awards, and I wasn't even going for that at the time. So it was like, uh, I've been blessed. You know, I've had my songs cut by, well, Roy Orbison and Ray Charles and Jerry Lee Lewis, and, uh, and I have, you know, a list a mile long of people that have cut my songs just because I write music all the time, you know. Did your dad influence your songwriting? Just kind of, well, I was always around it. My dad was a great songwriter. He was had written, like, you know, a lot of the Rick Nelson stuff, even written and produced Stevie Wonder as a kid, you know. So he had done all kind of stuff, and that hits himself as a solo artist. And um, so I just kind of, like, grew up with it, you know. And then when I went to Memphis, I'd had a little pack of songs that I brought with me. And then, you know, I was around some of the greatest songwriters in the world down there in Memphis and then moved to Nashville where it's like a songwriter haven, you know. How did you come across uh, Deborah Allen? Deborah, I actually met at American Studios where I met you at. I met her when she was just, um, I think she was younger than me. Maybe she was 16, 17 years old when I met and, her. And, and how did you end up writing with her? That wasn't so. We didn't write. Until years later, until I was in my 30s, I think, is when we first started writing with her and her uh, husband, Ray Van Hoy, at the time. Right. Okay. Okay. Yes. And, and that was, was that during your Fleetwood Mac years? Yes, that was. Yes. Okay. Okay. Because I, I know that. Because I was with Fleetwood Mac up to 95. I think I connected with them about 92 or 93. Oh, okay. Okay. Because I, I, they recorded a song that you wrote with Deborah as well. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, I, re I remember the fact that, that she... With Deborah Ann Rafe, that was on the Time album that uh, Dave Mason and Becca was on, and Christine was still in the band at the time. It was everybody right. but Stevie and okay. Lindsay. Well, now, how did um, Dave Mason end up leaving? Well, they decided to put together the original band, and it was like something that I guess was created around the inauguration, right. you know. Right, right. Don't you think that was kind of ballsy of Stevie to ask you to step aside? Yeah, I was, you know, it was kind of weird because I had put together the whole thing 
And I told, remember telling her at the time, man, my mom's going to be really upset about this because she was a big fan of Bill Clinton, yeah. you know. And so um, it was um, it was one of those things. It was inevitable, I think. You know, it was like uh, somebody came up with a bunch of money for them to do the um, the dance tour, and they they bit right. at it, you know. And it was uh, it, it was bad. I mean, you know, the thing was it that I think he got the. Uh, uh, the the bad treatment was Becca because Becca was like just uh, she had given you know some of her best years to mm-hmm. them you know and it was wasn't right that they did they didn't promote the record or anything right. when it came out because it was they knew down the road that they'd be putting together the original right. lineup you right know? well you know when I was uh, I was reading about about uh, the projects that you, that you have done since you left Fleetwood Mac and um, I just thought it was um, you know when they when they said that you formed a duo with her, you know. And my first question was, uh, was there a relationship there? And you answered that a little while ago. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, we had a great, we did a great record, and I think we were just a little bit ahead of our time mm-hmm. with kind of like rocking it. Maybe we rocked it a little too hard, but um, it was it was a great record. I mean, a lot of people really liked that record, the Beck and Billy right, record. Right. Yeah. That. That. I did. And I was a huge Delaney and Bonnie fan. Right. I mean, they were like, them and Fleetwood Mac were like my two wow. favorite bands in the world. So I was like, I've always been super blessed to get to work with the people that I really, you know, um, worship right. and adore. Right, right, really. yeah. So that, that had, gosh, that had to be so much fun. It was yeah. a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun and really exciting and, like I say, life-changing. You uh-huh. Know? Why don't you tell the listeners what your uh, email address is to, Oh, you can go, no, there's a Billy Burnett page, it's called BillyBurnett.net, or BillyBurnett.com, where you can, I've got a couple of records that you can buy off there, and uh, they're really good. Okay, and, and... So come to my site. Yeah, there you go, there you go. (laughs) You can also get it on iTunes as well, so they're both available. Okay, and, and, uh, and so this new record coming out is, is going to be Rockabilly music. It's going to be mostly rockabilly. There's a couple of countryish things on there, and I did oh well on there because I used to do it live all the time. Wow. Um, in fact, it was the B side of As Long As You Follow, so it gets quite a bit of airplay uh-huh. still, you know. So it's uh, something that I felt the uh, fans would like to hear, you know. And it's a new version right. I did. Yeah, of man, it. it's a great song. I, I love that song. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and and when it changed uh, that change in tempo, I thought was great. You know? Yeah. So. Oh yeah. So now, are you touring or? I'm have been touring. I've been doing all these rockabilly festivals. In fact, I was out for like two months touring with a band called the Cadillac Band in Sweden. We do Sweden and uh-huh. Norway, and then I have a band that I work with in uh, Spain. And one in Italy and one in London. So I have a few bands over in Europe that I can go over there and work and and do the set, and they know my stuff, and uh, it works out really good, really cool. Wow. And then I'm also with a classic rock band with Curly Smith, the drummer from um, Uh Boston, and um, a lot of people are in that band, a lot of great players, and we go out and tour a lot. Wow, so you play classic rock too? Yes. In my research during the book, while doing the book, we've just found out that a couple of years ago that uh, the guy driving the car 
which was in the car wreck with James Dean, was the same guy that was driving the boat, which killed my uncle in 1964. Whoa. And his name was Donald Turnipseed, and we just found this information out not too long ago. Wow. Yeah. So it's pretty it's pretty wild that, you know, two iconic figures, uh, <laughs> this guy was at the wheel with both, when both of them died, you know, it's kind of something. Well, I wouldn't get in, uh, in anything with him. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's passed away now. I yeah, think. but it wasn't a wreck, right? I, you know, I really don't know. <laughs> I'm sorry, that's not funny, but yeah. kind of. <laughs> I, like I say, I've been blessed, and you know, it's had its ups and downs, and this business is like a a roller coaster, really. You know, records aren't selling like they used to, so that affects us all. Right. And the songwriters still, I mean, there's so much piracy, you know, it's like, uh, so all I can say for the people out there is buy it instead of downloading it for free, you know, because it's like... Uh, it's like I think Taylor said it well. You know, they wanted to release all of her stuff on Apple for free. Uh -huh. And she said, well, you guys don't give us any computers or phones for free. Why should we give you our music for free? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that was great. You know? That was great. Yeah. I love that uh, when I read that she had said that. And, yeah. And, and, uh, and, and she made her point with them. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, that that was great. That was great. So, um, uh, are you upset with the way the music business is now? Or? No, not I'm not upset. I mean, you know, there's um, like the other night, Chris Stapleton won all these awards here in Nashville, and he's a great artist, well deserving. Uh -huh. So there's hope for real artists yet. You know, I think we've gone through a period here where there's been a lot of stuff that hadn't been. You know, I don't want to run anybody down, but there hadn't. Been been great you know it's just been kind of uh the look-alike you know uh -huh. like they do a lot here in nashville sometimes right right well now, now so it's changing and i think for the best now i did a, ser a serious radio thing called the rockabilly billy burnett's rockabilly boogie hour uh -huh. i should probably send you a copy of that and that's got a lot of the music on it too oh great yeah that'd be great, great. mitch all right well thank you so much i really appreciate your time okay, billy. Mitch, thank you so much man appreciate you make sure you're with us next time for memphis music interview memphis music history told from the inside I'm Mitch McCracken, and I hope to see you then. Memphis Music Interview is a Get Crackin' production.